This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. Are we not the bestest of friends already? Only in media. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of Stargate. Uh, today, we're going to take a little trip down the freeway, and we're going to hit uh, the Texas stars. And uh, joining me today, we have uh, Stephen Reserve, uh, who's been doing uh, oh, great duty with 100 Degree Hockey, doing some color commentary on the AHL broadcast, and I, I'm assuming radio as well. Uh, welcome, Stephen. How you doing? Doing pretty well, Mark. I'm always glad to be here. And uh, yeah, I've been, been picking up double duty on color commentary this year. It's been a lot of fun to get a chance to, to share Thoughts and opinions uh, live as the plays happen. That's that's got to be pretty hard. How do you, how do you prepare for that? You know, one of the things that a lot of a lot of fans that are listening now, you know, you notice little things about the game and just being around the team. You you note start to notice tendencies. The preparation that I do though is you know you got to read up on the other team. I got to know pronunciation for for tough tough player names and things like that. Um, for sure. But uh, honestly, a lot of it is just, you know, watching this team day in and day out, having those, you know, off the record conversations, casual conversations with folks around the team to understand the greater context of what's happening. And um, it's one of those interesting things where you uh, you learn as you go and, and uh, you know, knowing when to jump in, uh, you know, you can talk when, OK, the defense is setting up the play and you got about 10 seconds to say something interesting, maybe less. And you have to get your thoughts out very quickly. And that's something that I've been learning. And uh, definitely not easy to do what uh, what what Razor does uh, every night and makes it look easy. So I've definitely been learning that firsthand uh, on the job. Well, yeah, I've, I've appreciated it. And I think I've, I've hit you up offline and say, you know, you're sounding more and more comfortable as, as the time goes by. So uh, congratulations on that. And uh, I really enjoy the commentary. No, I appreciate it. And, and uh, I've got competition now, actually. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Uh, Texas has had an injury to Jared Rosberg, who's out for the season with a uh, with a shoulder injury, and he's actually been jumping in on play by play commentary when I haven't been able to be there. So, uh, you know, if you listen to broadcast, you might get either me or Rosberg uh, jumping in to do color commentary. So, you know, it's more than just a direct play by play. You'll get a little bit of analysis too. So, definitely check out the broadcast if you get a chance. Yeah, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say anything bad about Rosberg but he's he's a he's a tough dude so uh you're kind of second fiddle if I'm sucking up to somebody there Steve <laughs> I understand and 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 Jared's been uh, been excellent you know and the nice thing is he's in the room for all the player meetings and conversations and stuff and so he can add that kind of color that obviously I can't so it's been good to have both of those things for for John Peterson or JP who's the play-by-play broadcaster for the Texas Stars um so it's been a great experience and uh one that I'm not sure I imagined I would ever get to have when I started this thing 13 years ago. Hey, let's uh, let's kind of jump in here. We haven't talked really since the uh, beginning of the season, and I think both you and I, for the second year in a row, said this Texas Stars team was was going to be really good on paper, and we uh, we were kind of hoping it would translate on ice this year better than it did last year. So uh, how, yeah. how have things been going on down in Cedar Park? You know, you say it enough and maybe eventually it'll become true, right? Last year, it wasn't exactly true until about that midpoint of the year when they sort of figured out their systems and got things sorted and it had a really strong finish to the season from about the midway point to the playoff run to, to make the playoffs after being, you know, quite a few games below 500 around around the midpoint. This year, they've been really good 
you know, kind of from the start, they've had a lot of roster stability. Um, Coach Neil Graham has had the opportunity to instill his systems from, I mean, really all the way starting from development camp, Traverse, Dallas training camp, Texas training camp. So he's had a lot of roster stability due to Dallas's roster stability. And, you know, they're at the point where they're, you know, trying to figure out how to get all of the great talent that they have on the roster into the lineup day by day because they have sort of an embarrassment of riches right now. You know, knock on wood for the injury bug and those sorts of things. But um, this is a team that plays well in all zones. They've gotten strong goaltending, great defense. Um, they're working on improving their power play. Their power play was excellent. They had a little bit of a, dri- a dip, and then they've scored in um, seven of their last eight games coming into Saturday's game. Uh, so they're improving that. PK has been excellent. So really, there's every facet of the game. They're doing pretty well. Um, and it's really just about finishing it out here as they move from the all-star break where they're leading the division um, out to the the end of the year here in April, where they're hoping they can make some noise in the Calder Cup. Well, yeah, and, and that's kind of the hope of everybody in the organization, I think, is, is you know, we've seen some Calder Cup runs pretty deep here with uh, with Texas over the last decade. And this season kind of has that same feel toward it. And uh, I mean, that I mean, last it, game, they last game they played, uh, you know, uh, Everett Bork was a healthy scratch. You know, the, the the captain, Curtis McKenzie's been a healthy scratch. Oscar Back, uh, you name it, they're kind of going through everybody because they they have they have uh you know what 14, 14 forwards who are quality AHL guys and have quality AHL guys down in the ECHL right now. Yeah, it's crazy that the rotation that they're doing right now. Like you said, you've got the captain of this team, Curtis McKenzie, who just recently played the 500th professional game. And, and he's, you know, he's not on any sort of like low point of his career. He's, he's scoring, he's contributing all these sorts of things, but he's a scratch because you've got to rotate the scratches around. He's um, you look at this roster and if you look at it, I'm not going to list off all 14 fours at the moment, but who would you pick to send to the ECHL? There's nobody here who who is that caliber of player. You've got players, as you mentioned, who are in Idaho who should be playing here. Guys like Ryan Demowski and, and Justin, Justin Ducharme. Um, and so they're rotating scratches. You mentioned Bork, McKenzie, uh, the game uh, the other night, Riley, uh, Riley Demiani was scratched. Uh, Jacob Peterson picked up a scratch earlier in the week. It's nothing to do with their play. It's just trying to manage the roster and make sure that everyone gets a chance. Some guys have taken, you know, two cycles now through the rotation of getting healthy scratched and watching from the press box. Um, it's nothing to do with their play. It's just uh, the good luck of, of injuries, not striking them and being in a situation where they have the luxury of rotating those guys through. So, you know, Dallas fans shouldn't read anything into a guy like Bork or Damiani being scratched or Peterson obviously being scratched um, for these games, because it's just about roster management and making sure everybody has a chance to play on a regular basis because um, they just have that many great players that they're trying to work into the roster. Yeah. Now let, let's kind of dive in a little bit here. Let's uh, let's take a look at uh, you know, what uh, of the forwards that we have out here and we'll start with the forwards. Um, who, who out there on this team is really making the team click? You know, I, I think that there's, there's been some interesting dynamics of, um, you know, we say you could say bottom six, and it's, it's such a weird thing to say because Texas doesn't feel like they have even like a fourth line. They've got, you know, 
like maybe two top lines and like a, a second line. It, it's very, they're very, they're very good, very deep. Um, I like the play. Obviously, Dallas fans have gotten to see a little bit of Freddie Olofsson's game. Um, when he combines with players like Carl Strum, um, players like Oscar Beck, um, they form a pretty great line that can uh, play defensively, but also turn the play around from the defensive zone through the neutral zone and, and turn that into offense. Um, they were separated in the, this last weekend, but toward the end of the game against Grand Rapids on Saturday, uh, that's Detroit's affiliate, they were uh, reunited temporarily to, to try and, I think, drive some stuff and, and, and you know, be that defensive, defensively responsible group that can move forward. Um, one of the other ones that I really want to call out, too, is, you know, we talked about this, I think, at the beginning of the year about the type of game that Rhett Gardner plays. And Rhett Gardner has delivered as promised in terms of being defensively responsible, driving the play, taking opportunistic shots on offense when they're presented to him. Um, and he is also uh, assisted in that, I think, by the play of Riley Tufty, who has also, I think, had a really good season in terms of being responsible in all three zones, being a player who, um, you know, went on a line with Rhett Gardner. Um, you know, the two of them form a really trusted uh, and capable defensive pair that uh, I know, Mark, you watched the game on Saturday and fans, I recommend you go check it out. Like both of them had just laser shots um, to beat Detroit or to beat uh, Grand Rapids uh, goaltender Alex Dijelkovic, um, oh up high. Um, so, you know, that's the example of like what they're able to do when they're able to turn the defensive play into offensive play. And I, I think that that's, you know, that's one of the things that's sort of hidden. Um, you know, yeah, Tanner Caro, Riley Barber are doing great things up front as well. But I think that those are some of the hidden ones that drive the overall point of what Dallas wants out of players at the AHL level. Well, and I know we've talked before, you, you, as, as an AHL player, you're you're out there looking or a place where you can find a niche that will move you up to the NHL. And, you know, I, I think it's pretty obvious what Rhett Gardner's niche is. Um, do you potentially see Gardner as uh, as slotting in as a fourth-line center up with Dallas next year? I think the responsibility is there, like, in terms of his game overall. The way that Neil Graham trusts him and deploys him, he can be that guy on, you know, relatively cheap contract to do that at, at the NHL level. Um, it, again, we've talked about this and, and it's one of those things where you can't always get the, you know, the power play one minutes and the top six minutes where you transition from AHL to NHL. And there is a graveyard of player careers who never transitioned because of that fact that they couldn't get that time at the NHL to play the game they played in the AHL and, you know, Gardner, Tufty, um, those are guys who you know know that that's the type of game they need to play to make it to the next level. And the stats speak for themselves. There's some of the league, uh, some of the the team leaders in terms of plus minus. Um, you know they've done really great things to be trusted in those situations. Uh, and that's you know that's what you want, right? You you got to fill got find guys to fill every every slot, right? You for every Logan Stankoven uh, kind of prospect who you feel like is going to be a top six guy, you, you also need you know, to fill your bottom six. And it's a lot cheaper to fill those with guys that you've drafted and developed than finding guys in free agency who are going to cost more. With Gardner specifically, I mean, he, every single important draw, especially on the defensive end, you see Gardner uh, on the dot and he's winning a lot of those face-offs. So you can see why, why uh, Neil Graham trusts him because he gets the job done. And, and 
Yeah. You, you can also kind of take a look at uh, at somebody like Tufty, who, who got his look this year, and he's made a lot of progress, I think, uh, in, in his puck possession and his ability to use his size to control the puck and not lose it. And and I think in his in his time with the Dallas Stars, he got knocked off the puck a lot more than we were seeing down with Texas. And so I, I can see pretty much that he's going to come back down to Texas and say, this is something I have to work on because my game at at, at in Cedar Park is is dominating the puck and using my size to my advantage. And and it's not translating. And so I need to make sure that translates because that's my avenue into the NHL. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's always the expectations, right? Expectation game. Riley Tuffy, you know, for better or worse for him, has the former first-round pick label on him, right? Which which automatically puts more pressure on him as a player. And, you know, folks are going to look at him and say, well, you know, he's a first, we spent a first-round pick on, on Riley Tuffy. Like, he needs to be, you know, all-world, all-star, all these sorts of things. But I think that his game, he's finding his game. And as you mentioned, like the, the puck protection, puck protection, puck possession, like transitioning the game uh, from, from defense to neutral to, to the offensive zone. Um, you know, his, his numbers bear it out. He is having more success offensively. Um, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with the work that he does away from the opponent's goal, though, near his own, uh, being trusted to make those transitions, to be part of a line with Gardner on a, you know, consistent basis so that you know they can be trusted in those defensive situations, which they they turn around and, and turn into positives um, in a lot of ways. And you know, I again, this is one of those situations where you know, would Riley Tufty be or or Rick Gardner be playing NHL minutes in a different organization? I think you could make that bet. Um, but Dallas has had very good luck this year with injuries and roster shuffling such that there just aren't a lot of opportunities for guys like them to move up. We've only seen a few call-ups through the course of the year. Um, and that has been, you know, good in terms of the stability and consistency, but it also means that guys who are having great seasons don't necessarily have the opportunity to be recognized the same way that they might've been in previous seasons where there's a lot more call-up options. Well, and then you take a look at somebody like Freddie Olofsson, who, if, if you take a look at the stats for the Texas Stars, really doesn't jump out at you. But he's he's the one who played 13 games up with Dallas and, and really was sent back to Texas because you know, they could. They, they, they wanted to accumulate some, some uh, cap space and they were healthy and they were at home. And so that you know, organizationally, they didn't really want to have uh, have him on the roster if he was going to be sitting and, and, and they didn't need to use that cap space. But I thought his time in, in Dallas was pretty good. Uh, he, he did a lot of really little things that helped the team be better. That's that's funny, because that's what I was going to say. Like Freddie Olison does things away from the puck or maybe with the puck, but you know, that don't end up on the score sheet that make him a solid NHL call-up option. And, you know, he, in the game uh, against Grand Rapids on Saturday, you know, yeah, he had a goal, uh, but I, I felt like he was an even more positive contribution player than just his goal. Um, you know, I personally, we talked about having him on our three star ballot. We were looking at that because he had such contributions aside from being on the score sheet. Just those little things that he does, and and there are players like that that kind of surprise me every year. Um, I always, I always, always point back 
to um, uh, Antoine Roussel, who I thought when he signed with Texas, well, with Dallas, and was signed in Texas, that he was going to be a guy who spent the entire year in the AHL. And then he got called up to the NHL and played a significant number of games with Dallas, got re-signed, eventually, you know, had you know career in multiple different spots. There's always guys who surprise you because of the little things that they do that aren't necessarily on the score sheet. Um, and I think Olison is one of those kind of X-factor guys who, if a Dallas fan is looking at the roster and looking at the things, like, okay, well, he's got 13 points in 34 games. I don't know. There are guys who've had more offense or something like that. But if you watch the game, like, you know, you get a chance to do, you get a chance to watch the game. There are things that he does that cannot be measured in that way. Um, and I'll just say my general, like, I wish the AHL kept more advanced stats. They don't keep them publicly. But if you looked at those advanced stats, I'm sure that you would see that Freddie Olofsson and, and players like him, Tufty Gardner, would be standing out in a way that uh, is not evident through the standard goals and assist points. Well, let's, let's uh, one one more guy I'd like to really talk about here. Um, Marion Student Nietzsche looks like, you know, he he was sent down to Texas after spending quite a bit of time with Dallas last year. And and I think I heard that the the reason that they wanted him down in Texas was to concentrate on his finishing. And it kind of looks to me like he's done that. What do you think? I, I think he's doing a great job of being part of the offensive attack. Again, the question is, who, who do you take out of the lineup to call him up to Dallas? I think he's done a great job with using his speed to his advantage. It's always exciting, I think, when you see him take the puck and, and you know, into the offensive zone, try to use his speed to you know, motor around the defenseman. Um, I think he's been using that to his advantage. Um, he's been put in a position with his line mates where they can take advantage of his speed to, to make plays. Um, his finish has been excellent, I think. He has done a good job of, of um, you know, adding that to his repertoire. But right now, he's uh, a veteran leader sort of on this team. But again, there's nowhere to call him up. Um, I, I think he's, he's taken, taken a really positive attitude toward the whole thing. And he's been very, um, you know, good leader for the team. Uh, but again, where, where do you put him in terms of the Dallas uh, roster depth overall organizationally? Um, I think Texas loves having him on the roster, though, because he does things that uh, – um, in terms of like, you know, 30 points in 43 games and, and an excellent part of, of multiple scoring lines through the time that he's been shuffled around. So I, I think I think he's a good addition to the roster here. And um, he could be a useful addition if, if the roster depth lent itself such that he had an opportunity in Dallas. Yeah. And and here I, I'd be remiss before we move off the forwards and, and on to defense if uh, we didn't take a little time and, and discuss the rookies, Blumel and, and Bork. And uh, what? Why don't you uh, why, why don't you kind of let our Dallas people know uh, know what they can expect here of these uh, exciting development prospects? I mean, Blumel is it's interesting because you know in terms of how he came into the organization, it was just a fluke. It was luck, right? Edmonton didn't extend him and and uh, or didn't sign him at all, um, and Dallas got to sign him. And you know, I, I'd say that I mean, not say it's obvious from looking at his. Uh, it is stat line. You know, he had a pretty hot start to the season and he's cooled down a little bit, but still, I mean, he's scoring at almost a point per game pace, um, which is still, which is pretty impressive. Um, there's not a lot of players who are rookies who are, who are able to do that. Um, 
I will say that I I don't notice him as much anymore in terms of electric plays, but I think that he has that capability. It's you know learning to be defensively responsible, being a player who uh, can be relied upon in all the zones. You know he's, he's on a team that is leading the division, and he's even on plus minus. Um, he's not play. He doesn't play penalty kill because um, he's a rookie, and and you know that's not not yet his forte. I think that that's something that. You know, he's working to mature and grow on. And the good news is that uh, Texas doesn't need him to be on the ice in all situations. They don't need him to be an offensive dynamo because um, they've got Riley Barber, Tanner Caro, um, guys who, who are scoring, who are more veteran um, than he can support, be in support of. In terms of Maverick Bork, you mentioned he had the scratch recently. Again, don't read anything into that. That's just a scratch based on just the roster depth that they have and the rotation of scratches. Again, still... His hockey IQ and just his ability to read plays and make things happen still continues to be the case. And I think that the line mates that he's been with, he's gotten to be with a lot of veteran line mates who um, can help support that and and be there uh, to make the plays with him. I, you know, I don't know that he's exactly ready for the Dallas call up right now. I think he will you know play the rest of the year in Texas, probably start next year in in Texas as well. But he, the hockey IQ is exactly what, what we expected from him, and it is what we see from him. Okay, um, I guess it, let's, uh, let's take a brief pause here, and then uh, let's uh, get into the defense. A message from the attorneys at Greening Law PC, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. If you have been hurt in a car accident, experienced malpractice from a physician, hospital, or were injured on the premises of a business, then call the lawyers at Greening Law. They have represented clients from car accidents to birth injuries to sexual assault cases involving clergy or hospitals. The staff at Greening Law, better known as the Green Team, fights your legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about our fierce Dallas stars. The Green Team is your fierce legal competitor against insurance companies. So what are you waiting for? Consultations are free. They only get paid if you get compensated. So give them a call at 972-934-8900. Again, that number is 972-934-8900. Call now. Principal office is located in Dallas, Texas. Okay, we're uh, we're done with what's been uh, pretty much the best offense in the in the AHL. Let's move on to what's working on the on the defensive end. Um, and obviously, for Dallas uh, fans, the first thing we want to talk about is Thomas Harley. Yeah, Thomas Harley is you know. I don't know that I expected him to be here, but then you look at the roster that you have in Dallas and he's going to be here in terms of, of the timing uh, of things. And I think that, you know, you look at the game that he played on, on Saturday night and the little plays that he was able to make, uh, I'll give an example. He, there was a, a play that was breaking a two on one against Texas and he back checked hard, uh, you know, to get into the play broke up the play without taking a penalty. And then next thing you know, he was at the opposing blue line, driving the offense to get a chance uh, going the other way. And like, that's the sort of thing that he needs to do in order to move to the next level, right? Be defensively responsible get the opportunity, you know, kill the opportunities in his end of the ice and then transition into offense smoothly, um, you know, with his skating ability. And like, I saw a lot more of that this past weekend with his ability to you know, kill those plays, make them non-issues. And that's what he has needed to work on and continues to work on. And I think that that's where he needs to be, where Dallas needs him to be. And he's, he's working on that and getting in that, in that mindset and the ability to play a little bit more defensively to activate the offensive game. 
Now, is is part of the strategy there? I know I know last year that he played with uh, Alex Petrovic quite a bit, and and a lot of that I think uh, you'd mentioned was mentoring and and getting much more acclimated to the AHL. Um, but now he's paired he's paired with Will Bert Butcher, who's much more of an offensive defenseman. Is is that a part of this strategy to, to to kind of force Harley to concentrate a bit more on his defensive game? You know, I think I think Butcher and Harley complement each other really well. Butcher, I think, has figured out a lot of the things that Harley needs to figure out in terms of like not being a defensive liability while also being able to drive offense. Butcher is uh, Butcher actually has more more points in just as many games as as Harley does. Um, so they form a pretty solid offensive duo between the two of them. But Butcher, you know, I, I notice him a lot in the defensive zone in a good way of like breaking up plays, um, you know, breaking up plays and then driving the transition game up and out of the Texas zone. Uh, and I think that that is a learning opportunity that, that Harley is getting directly. Um, Petrovic is now paired for what it's worth with Ryan Shea, who's also, I think, showing a lot of positive signs um, in terms of his game uh, on the offensive game as well. But yeah, I think Butcher, Butcher and Harley has been a really good pairing. Two of them work well together and without having to like directly shackle Harley to a defensive defenseman. Um, and I think it's a sign of the maturation in Harley's game that they don't feel like he has to be paired with a defensive defenseman in order to be successful in the American Hockey League. They can put two more offensive defensemen together, and between the two of them, they are able to play both sides of the puck really well. Everything that I've heard, that's exactly what the organization wanted him to do. And he's come through uh, He's come through delivering. Let, let's talk and, uh, a little bit about that second pair, I think. You... you, you uh, you mentioned Petrovic and and Shea. Uh, they they are probably known most this year for just being up at the top of the plus minus standings in the AHL as as a pair. Um, maybe that's fallen off a little bit here, but they uh, that's kind of a, a not not necessarily what you would have considered to be a, a, a real high level defensive pair, but it's worked. Why? You know, so yeah, Petrovic, as of this recording at least, is tied for first in the league in plus minus, and Shea is tied for third. So they they are still best pairing, right, in in the league. Um, and you know, it, it's actually it's really interesting. I joked with Ben Gleason uh, at the beginning of the season because Petrovic had scored a couple of goals in the preseason game. Um, they did a they did a scrimmage between the two two clubs and there was a you know Petrovic had a couple goals and it seemed kind of like a fluke and I just I joke with Ben Gleason like oh you know uh, this guy he's coming for your offensive defenseman crown like you better watch out and it was honestly just sort of an idle joke but it actually turned out to be far from a joke Petrovic is you know setting personal bests in terms of goals and assists and. You know, he's one he's one point away from 20, which is like not the reason why they signed him. But I think that that has been a huge part of it. And, you know, Shea has, I think, taken a step as uh, as part of that in terms of his his offensive production as well. I think he wants to be known more as an offensive defenseman than than just a, a pure defensive guy. He did pretty well last year, kind of a half a point per game uh, pace, pretty solid for a defenseman, three goals, 29 assists. And this year, you know, he's uh approximately a pace uh, for that, but with a far better uh, defensive rating, obviously the plus minus. And I think that that's, you know, again, this is like one of those, the sum is greater than, than, uh, uh, you know, the whole part, the whole part is greater than sum, right? Where he's, 
getting the opportunity to play with Petrovic, who's a little bit more defensively responsible, has more experience in the league. Um, and, you know, potentially the addition of two of them, they're having a little bit more offensive opportunities because they're transitioning better. I, it, it's, it's weird. Like you wouldn't expect it, as you mentioned, Mark, like you wouldn't expect it to work, right? Where the two of them, you add them together and you get a crazy plus minus and a lot of points from the two of them. But, you know, you'll take it, right? Absolutely take it if that's what you get. Um, Cause it's far better than having just a pure shutdown pairing. They're a shutdown pairing that can score as well, which is incredible to have. Yeah, and, and then moving on here, I mean, we have uh, we have Ben Gleason who who is tied. He shares the record with Julius Honka for a number of points by a defenseman in Texas Stars history, and he's uh, he's a third pair guy, and and, and kind of has had an unenviable role of of maybe playing with the, with the guys who are subbing in and out. But you take a look at his points and and and. So he lost his first uh, first power play point job to to Will Butcher, but he's scoring at the same rate the Butcher is if you take away the power play points. So this is a pretty dynamic guy on the third pair. Yeah, it hasn't affected him, uh, you know, I would say at all. But like, you know, obviously minus the power play points, you know, and and he it's crazy to think you mentioned that he's up there with with honka in terms of overall points scored ben gleason this is his fifth year with the texas stars across you know all the seasons that he played he's played pieces and parts of um he's he's up there in terms of games played on the all-time list um i was going over that list uh for a different project recently and and you know he's entered i believe the top 10 um so he's been there for a while and and i i think um this is one of those situations where you know the organization obviously had high hopes for gleason and and he played a game uh early on in his career scored a goal um for the dallas stars and this is one of those situations where he really wants you know needs needs to jump in and you know jump up i guess uh, a level um but the organizational depth is, is really tough he's got the guy who jumped in front of him in terms of you know being the offensive defenseman to the next level is Harley, and and you can see how well Harley is performing, um, and he's probably you know he's the next guy, right? Gleason is 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 second behind Harley in terms of this next opportunity, um, and then he's had a rotating cast as you mentioned. The most recent and pretty consistent now is Oscari Laxanen, who was a uh, trade pickup for a one for one with Joe Sacconi, who got sent to Rochester, and Laxanen has been. I think he's been excellent uh, for Texas so far. You know, he's he's not as offensive uh, potentially as as Gleason, but um, recently he's found a little bit more offense. Um, and that's just you know trying to figure out systems. And I was talking to Scott White about that the other day of just like how he's been adapting and trying to learn the system and jumping into things. Um, but yeah, I feel like that's going to be a pretty solid uh, defensive pairing because. Uh, just in case anybody didn't know, Jared Rosberg, as I mentioned, is out with a you know season-ending uh, shoulder injury. So that's probably going to be a pretty solid six, uh, you know, guys on defense. And you've got the third of Michael Car- or the seventh of Michael Caro to jump in uh, if there are any injuries there. So it's I think that's going to be your pair your pairings as you roll down into the playoffs. Yeah, and and with Laxon, and it, it was kind of interesting because I I. I caught a little of the buzz from the Buffalo side when when they traded him and they they said, oh yeah Texas is going to be so surprised they're they're going to find out he's a defenseman who doesn't know how to play defense 
And I, I've been kind of pleasantly surprised on what he what he's done defensively. Uh, that I guess he had a little hiccup on some coverage here on on Saturday night's game, but for the most part, there haven't been too many of those. And and he does yeah, bring some yeah. offensive skill. Yeah, he had a couple games there. We had some good goals and assists uh, a couple weeks ago, and and just kind of started to find that offensive game. You know, the defense. You know, that's right now he's, he's at a dash four and, and you know, for, for Texas specifically, um, you know, there are hiccups there, as you mentioned, over the past weekend. It was actually, you know, just generally just a rough week overall. Texas played six games in nine nights and four games in the last six nights. And, you know, you think about the NHL schedule like that would be unheard of. But the way that games get compressed and the scheduling in, in the AHL, sometimes stuff like that happens where you just end up with a lot of games in very few nights. And, um, you know, so, so that, that's one of those things where, you know, having, uh, having that, that kind of uh, deep schedule, that kind of really tough schedule and heavy schedule um, can sometimes be rough uh, in terms of like, you know, just make sure that you're prepped and all those sorts of things. Um, but I think that the, the, the team is obviously taking the all-star break here to, to rest up. And, and I think that, as I said, these are guys, these guys are going to be your six rolling down into the playoffs. And I think the team feels pretty confident with the play that Laxanen has brought jumping in and making sure that uh, he's, you know, contributing to the offensive game, um, but also growing his defensive responsibility. Well, and if nothing else, it finally gets Gleason to, to allows him to go play on his left side, which he's, he's kind of been the, been the guy who's, who's been forced to play offhanded and, and, you know, as creative as he is, he's kind of rolled with it, but uh but it's kind of nice. I, I know that uh, up at the Dallas level, that's one of the big pushes that Pete Four has is to actually get defenders to play on the uh, on the appropriate side and kind of go three and three with lefties and righties. Um, yeah, let's, 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 oh, yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, go ahead and finish. No, I was going to say, you know, it, it, it's been nice to have that alignment. I, you know, again, knock on wood that everything everything rolls out, but it feels like the team has really found, you know, that good match of lefties, righties, offense, offensively minded defensively minded guys um you to to have a really stout defense you know texas i remember like the 2011 2012 season you know they had an amazing offense but their defense was also the worst in the league like you can't have one without the other you got to have both and and they found a great scoring offense but they also have an excellent defense and and uh, i'm sure as you're about to allude to the goalies are a part of that yeah and, and and again i think i'll point out you know one name that we've talked about in the past uh, over the years is, is Bartow and Bartow has been playing down in, in, in or playing up, I guess, in Idaho. Um, and, and really hasn't been sniffing, uh, sniffing the AHL. And that, that's something that is different this year. There's just yeah. so much depth in this organization. And you look at like, uh, on Hedrick is a guy that uh, probably, you know, he's not a Dallas contract is on an, he's on a Texas contract, but he has, eye-popping them uh, for a defenseman in Idaho, and he's on an AHL contract. They could call him up, but who do you scratch to put him in the lineup? Yeah. The yeah, answer and is in fact, it, to shrug. It's kind of... There's no one you would do. I, I know you and I both kind of watch it. It's, a, it. it's... I think we're up to three or four four guys who are uh, coming out of Idaho this year uh, who have signed AHL deals with other teams because they're they're just so talented for the ECHL that they that they other organizations are looking for talent and they're rating, uh, rating the Dallas depth chart. <laughs> and that's what you, that's what you hope for, right? You know, you, you want to set your guys up so that, that, you know, it's a destination where you can be successful. And that, that 
you know, a guy like Antonio Strangers or Justin Barteau, um, Remy Poirier are playing around winners and playing around, you know, a team that makes them better overall. That's, that's the ideal. Right. And so, you know, I don't mind it. Right. When you hear the PTO, you know, somebody goes and signs to the Ontario rain or, or, you know, Coachella Valley or something like that. That's great. Cause that means they're getting recognized and, you know, they're playing with guys who are wanted at that next level. It's a, it's a great problem to have. Yeah, and it, and it means that it's easier to sign guys uh, because they know that they're going to be given the opportunity to prove themselves and move on up, and that's that's what guys down at the E are trying to do. Um, and especially important because uh, ECHL contracts are all one-year contracts, so you got to yep. prove yourself as a team to the player every year. Yep. Okay, let's uh, let's kind of move on. You you mentioned Remy Poirier. Uh, we won't lead with that, but uh, we do have. Two solid goaltenders in Texas, uh, Matt Murray and Anton Hudobin. Um, at, at least recently, it looks like Murray's maybe been putting up some slightly better numbers. But uh, if you take a look at the overall season stats, there they both have awesome winning records and and are doing the job. Yeah, the organization was really excited about Murray last year, right? If you remember, he came in on an AHL ATO, right, an amateur tryout contract out of college and. Um, Texas signed him to an AHL deal for the season. And then when there were injuries in Dallas and they couldn't get the cap space to get Hudobin up, Murray got an NHL deal, which I felt like was always going to happen, but it was a question of when and how fast and the chips fell as they did. And he got an opportunity to do it maybe a little bit faster uh, than the organization had planned, but he's, he's done really well. You know, I think that um, he's a rookie goaltender, right? So you, not every night's a winner, always, um, for sure. But he's been showing more steadiness. He's been given the net more frequently. Um, you know, if you look, if you look at the last, uh, you know, week or so here, you know, he he got two of the, he got two of the games um, this past week here um, on Saturday night, as I mentioned against Grand Rapids. I think he had an excellent game, uh, stopping twenty nine thirty two. Um, you know, he's he's had some really strong games um, and he's had he's luckily been in a good position where the defense in front of him um, limits high, high quality shots and make sure that he you know gets to see the things that come in at him. Um, you know, I, I think the organization is is high on him um, and it's a good it's a good issue to have when you've got depth that stretches all the way down into Idaho in terms of the goaltending. Um, but obviously, as we're sure to discuss here, there's sort of the elephant in the room of what else is happening in the Texas goaltending situation with Anton Hudobin, his contract, and sort of his future in the organization. Yeah, and and here Hudobin Hudobin was on a pretty good run there for a, for a little while there from oh mid December through through uh, oh mid January, and, and I think he was getting a, a bunch of looks. Um, he, he's maybe had a little tougher time here over the last last week or two. His last couple starts, uh, he has uh, he has gotten pulled in a couple of those, and uh, and then he's gotten out out where where you know the first period's been kind of rough, and he's fought his way back. But uh, the numbers haven't been what we would hope, uh, especially if we're looking to try and uh, try and get uh, an a- an NHL team to look at him as a as a potential backup. If, or if somebody's looking to make the playoffs. It's been a really tough, you know, I guess probably about months now uh, for, for Hudobin. You know, he had an outing, um, you know, where he had a, a, 
you know, overtime, overtime game, two goals against uh, about a month ago now at the beginning of January. But since then, he's had four starts and he's allowed uh, four goals, three goals, four goals, four goals um, and got pulled in a couple of in two of those. Um, and Matt Murray had to come in, um, hasn't had a, a 900 save percentage, um, you know, in uh, out of his last seven games. He's only had a, a nine, 900 save percentage in one of them. Um, it's been a rough road for him since Christmas, um, and that it, it's a tough spot for, as you mentioned, the Dallas organization to be in because they would love for Hudobin to be traded to somebody who who needs a, a reliable goaltender uh, as a third guy or backup guy, um, and have the opportunity to bring Poirier or Shiel up to play with Murray, but the the numbers aren't there right now and it would be a pretty tough sell to be able to say that you know Anton Dobin at as he is right now with the the games that he's had over the last month is the solution to any NHL team's goaltending problem yep yep and and you know let, let's kind of move move to the uh, the future here um you know we we have seen some real deep runs from the Texas Stars in the past in the in the Calder Cup finals um, we, we, we've seen championships, uh, what, what organizationally do you think that they're doing to promote that? Is that, is that a big deal in the organization? I mean, yeah, it, we know that the games that you play in the playoffs, I mean, even the two games that the stars played last year in the playoffs, cause it's a three game, uh, play in series for the first round of the AHL. Those two games were, were very valuable and, and, you know, they obviously would much rather play them than not play them and make the playoffs as opposed to not make the playoffs. And it, it, the, the organization, as I've talked to guys, you know, they, they feel like each playoff game is, is worth like one and a half regular season games, at least. Right. The conversion rate on that is, is pretty high. Um, the preparation, the grind, the way that the, the teams are just like so important and just, just that prep for that next level um, is super important. And I think, some of the things we've talked about tonight and some of the things we, we consistently talk about is like preparing the team by putting not just, you know, your your first round draft picks, your second round draft picks, but surrounding them with free agent pickups that most Dallas folks are not going to think about. You know, Tanner, Riley Barber, right? Those guys help to make Maverick work better um, because they're playing with him on a line. Having Curtis McKenzie, institutional knowledge, long time in the in the um in the league, but he plays on a line with Freddie Olofsson and makes him a better player. Um, where Oscar, for a long time, he was on a line with uh, Beck and Karlstrom. That was a great line between between the three of them. Um, those are the sorts of things that the team the team I think thinks about um, to build around their not just their prospects, not just veteran guys, but a good blend of the two. And Scott White's done a good job over the years doing that. And you know, this organization right now, I mean, it's crazy, but all three teams are first place in their division right now, Dallas, Texas, and Idaho. And, you know, enjoy that while it lasts for sure, because you never know when it could change. Um, but y- you look at what potentially could happen in the Calder Cup playoffs. They could go deep, um, and there could be a lot of opportunities for guys at the next level. And, uh, you know, guys that, could, that guys could pop up. Not only guys who sit on the bench, but guys who stand behind the bench as well. And, you know, certainly a, a big Neil Graham advocate. And I think he could have an opportunity at the next level. And that's something you got to watch out for if they go deep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I know, I know our, our defending big D crowd kind of has a, 
has a soft spot for for Neil Graham, and uh, and and we always kind of sit there with the back of our mind saying, uh, please, 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 let's uh, let's see what we can do to keep him in the organization because we, he's he's he knows what he's doing. He's been successful at every level he's been a coach at, and uh, and yeah. we hope that he has a future in Dallas. And and I hate to I hate I. I you know, we we already have Jim Montgomery over in Boston just just abusing the league. We'd we'd hate to have an HL guy go up to somebody else and just dominate. And this is it's the other side of roster management, right? Like, you sure like you can lose a guy to players, but then there's also the coaching side of things. And and let's you know let's presuppose let's let's play a little bit of fantasy moment and let's say that Texas, you know, regardless of whether they win the Calder Cup or not, let's say they get to the conference finals or. Maybe they make it to the Calder Cup Finals, they don't win. Or heck, maybe they win the whole thing. Like The entire hockey apparatus is going to be focused on maybe eight teams, right? The four teams that are in the AHL, the four teams that are in the NHL. He's going to be getting more eyeballs than he's gotten at any point. And anyone who wasn't convinced of what he can do as a coach is going to be convinced by the play that they can put together in the playoffs. So then you have a situation where you say, as you mentioned, you know, maybe somebody has an, an assistant coach opening in somewhere else in the NHL. And they say, I think this Neil Graham guy might be someone that we could really, you know, have have great success in our in our team. Dallas doesn't want to lose a guy that they've he was a player coach for Idaho. He started as a player. They turned into a player coach, assistant coach, head coach, assistant coach, head coach. What do you do to make sure that you don't lose a guy like him? Um, I think it's going to be a challenge for the summer. If, if if Texas goes deep, it's, again, a challenge you'd like to have a problem you'd like to have. But. I think it's something that uh, is going to be a topic of conversation come June, July, uh, to make sure that Neil Graham stays in the Dallas Stars organization. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool with with Texas because you you not only have Neil Graham who who came up player coach, but you have Max Fortunas and and Travis Moore in there too, who who have that organizational depth and and came up as players and have stuck with the organization. Yeah, this just this is the the thing that I think. Dallas wanted to do when they built this team, right? You want to have a team that has a deep history and and is is not just, you know, a collection of guys built, to, you know, put together one time. Like there's there's deep organizational knowledge and history and institutional knowledge that goes beyond just today's roster and you know the 2022-2023 Texas Stars have connections all the way back to the beginning of the organization and even before the beginning of the organization. It's that, that I think is is also a part of it too. Is like the, the sense of depth and and that the Texas Stars are not just this roster that's here today. It's it's built across many years, and I think that that's that's a huge thing, and that uh, helps to bring free agents in who you know know they're going to be playing in Austin, playing in Cedar Park, and it, it builds on itself, right? When you do it do it well, and um, Texas is lucky to have that for sure. Okay, well, before we wrap up, I kind of want to throw a throw a curveball to you. Dallas up at the at the NHL level is not really a possession team. They're they're a they're a fast break, uh, get in the zone quick, score quick. Uh, it's not so much on the cycle. But then you go down to Texas, and and the Texas Stars lead the AHL in in, in possession time. How? But but supposedly I guess they're running similar systems. How how does this all hold together? Why? Why is Texas this massive possession machine, and, and and Dallas isn't? That's an interesting question. I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that. You know, part of the problem is yeah, possession numbers are sort of, uh, you know, 
a little a little hazy in the AHL, right? Uh, Mark, I'm sure you, you you know you're not exactly working off official sources for sure on a, on possession yep. numbers, right? It's kind of a uh, mishmash of what you can find based on sort of inferred statistics. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever thought about that, to be completely honest. I mean, you threw me a curveball, and I, I'm going to whiff on the pitch. I'm going to tell you that. Uh, Mark, I mean, to have a discussion, I mean, Mark, what, what have you seen? What do you think? Well, I, I think that we have a lot of talent down at the AHL level that knows how to get the puck off the board, and and they, they do so, and they aren't afraid to cycle, and, and they win board battles. And if nothing else, I think that's something that maybe the Dallas organization could use with the guys that they move on up because obviously obviously you don't you know just just kind of being a one and done and depending on keeping the puck out of your net if if you're susceptible to the cycle on your end you want to be able to you want to be able to dominate in your offensive end because that's the best defense and and I think that's one of the reasons why why Texas has been successful is that most of the play stays down in their offensive end it's true. I remember last weekend uh, against Colorado, which is no slouch of a team. Uh, Texas, I think, started the second period with two and a half minutes of time in the offensive zone. Like puck did not go past the blue line, and it was just cycle, shot, you know, recover, and just cycle up to the point, back down to the half wall. Just they, it was like a power play. It was, I mean, heck, it was like a five on three power play. Like they just didn't even suffocating, didn't give a chance. For the other team, for Eagles to even touch the puck, never mind, you know, control and break out. Um, and and that, I think, is evident in terms of the way that they play. They they also do a really good job. Um, I talked to Scott White about some of the individual players and, and board work is something that they've they've worked on. Um, we, we talked about Tufty, like using his body. That's something that um, several players with, like using their body to get between the puck, making sure that they use their body on the boards to, to separate players from the puck and and be able to break out from their own zone into neutral um, in that transition game. And then once they're there, just like you mentioned, the cycling, the ability to stay in the zone um, has been really superior. And it, sometimes you sit there and you'll look and you're like, wait, it's been how long and they haven't left the zone and they're out changing them. They get the penalty um, and they're able to you know, turn that into a power play. That has been a really strong part of the game. And I don't know that I can diagnose it in terms of any one aspect of the game, like what what are they doing differently? Um, personnel, obviously, you mentioned is part of it. And I, I I could I definitely agree with that. They've got a lot of players who do the little things well, tying it all the way back to where we started, um, that you might not notice when you're looking at the score sheet. And so, you know, guys like Olson and Carlstrom and and those guys, um, whose numbers may not be eye popping, but do the little things that get them noticed by Dallas and get them moved up to the next level, also help to create good cycling offensive type of stuff for for the Texas Stars. Yeah. I agree. And and I, I just kind of leave it here and say, you know, if you're a Dallas Stars fan and you want to see some some players who are going to make an impact coming up to the big team, uh, the Texas Stars play an, an enjoyable, fun, high scoring. In, you know, it, it's it's high quality entertainment this year. And I would challenge any of you to get to a game in person or, or you know, you can get a pretty real good deal on on an ahl tv texas star package at this point of the season watch watch the texas stars you you will enjoy it it's an excellent product on the ice uh, i'll speak personally that the off off product they do a great job with game presentation if you've never been to a game in the heb center you know fun stuff theme nights like the hl does a lot of silly theme nights and stuff but it does a great job engaging families bringing in 
um, all kinds of, uh, you know, different aspects of, of the local area. Um, if you get a chance to come down, please come down and visit. Um, let me know if you're coming. 100 Degree Hockey on Twitter, just let me know, and I'll come try to come say hi, or we can meet up. And uh, love to have people in the building, because um, as Mark said, like, it is an incredible you know, brand of hockey, and I, I think it's one that uh, is going to have a lot of exciting elements that hopefully will come to Dallas soon for, for fans who are watching the NHL side. Yeah, and I would I would just add on here if you're going to uh, if you're going to hit one or two games, uh, there's a new team in the AHL this year, the Coachella Valley Firebirds, and the Firebirds are just one. I mean, they they are one of the top two teams in the league right now, and and Dal or Texas is doing a home and away with them uh, here in the next month month and a half. Um, and get get down to the HEB Center and watch because that's going to be playoff quality hockey. Uh, during the regular season. Absolutely. I, I We were talking on the broadcast this past weekend about uh, those games against Coachella Valley, which Coachella Valley is above 700 win percentage, and, and they are just blowing it out of the water. That's that's the playoff measuring stick. If Texas does well in those games, they have a chance to go deep. Um, I, I'm i very excited about watching those games. Um, and you can watch that. They start the series actually in Coachella Valley um, at the beginning of March. So you can watch those games on, on the AHL. Uh, app and 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 then get a chance to come out and and see them uh, in the middle of March when they're here in uh, in Austin and Cedar Park. Well, thanks again, Stephen. Uh, love love that you uh, come out and give us this update uh, a couple times a year. Always appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the uh, the in depth knowledge. It's it's always great to run into somebody who's a bigger nerd and more knowledgeable than me on Texas Stars hockey. So uh, thanks again. Uh, anything else to add? Uh, where where do we hear you? Where do we see you? Uh, how else do people follow you? Yeah, definitely. So uh, obviously, 100 Degree Hockey, just Google that. It'll show right up. 100 Degree Hockey on Twitter, 100 Degree Hockey. Um, and yeah, if you're ever listening to Texas Stars broadcast, uh, home games, you just might hear me doing color commentary with John Peterson. And that's been a ton of fun. And, uh, you know, appreciate everybody who listens and uh, provides any comments and just says hi. Um, yeah, and if you're ever in the building, come say hi. It's it's not that big of a building. And, and I love to, to meet folks who are down from Dallas to to say hey so uh definitely appreciate the time and thanks for listening everybody yep and then for uh, for our uh, stargazing listeners uh by all means go to your uh, go to your favorite spot give us likes give us thumbs up this is a special episode so wes and i should be back later on this week with our normal uh oh mediocre takes on dallas stars hockey listen to this one listen to to that one and uh thank you for your time This podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal.